if I speak honestly about what it's like as a uh, as a studio musician, uh, I guess the TLDR of what I'm going to say is I don't really know what I'm doing at any given moment. I'm just trying to <laughs> figure it out as I go. <laughs> Experimentation is sort of a running theme for this week's episode, as befits a spinoff of the Little Big Planet series. Lena Rain enlisted the percussion skills of Doug Perry, along with the woodwind expertise of Kristen Nagus, to compose the overworld map themes for Sackboy, A Big Adventure. They covered a lot of new creative ground together, but our story begins with Lena at the Game Developers Conference in 2007. I'm Stephen Kelly, and thanks for joining us for an evening at the Roost. So I was there in the audience and they had like a bunch of like beach, like giant inflatable beach balls, like flying around, like before this Sony thing that was supposed to happen. Um, and it was, it was where they announced both Little Big Planet and also like, uh, what was it? Home. Oh um, my gosh. <laughs> that didn't, that didn't stick around. I haven't very thought long. about that in um, 10 years. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally made a home and then promptly forgot about it. Um, because I, once I realized it was like, well, you made an avatar and now you can go see trailers in a room with other avatars. <laughs> it was sort of like Animal Crossing as designed by marketing people. Well, it reminded me of like um, one of my very first internet experiences. This is completely unrelated to Little Blue Planet now. So one of my first online experiences was uh, this uh, place called The Palace, which was this like online chat room where you had avatars and stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of like, you know, pre-rendered backgrounds. It was literally just like, here's a wallpaper and all of your avatars are in it. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what Home reminded me of, but like worse because yeah. you couldn't really like express yourself to the degree that you could with like any gift. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> sterile. Um, yeah, honestly. Yeah, uh, I think my first online interaction in any sort of like virtual interactive video game medium was when I played RuneScape, and someone followed me around repeatedly asking if I liked and watched WWE. Oh, nice. <laughs> that's definitely that's definitely very in character for that game. Wow. <laughs> I was very intimidated as like a thirteen year old. Or, or <laughs> that's better than playing like Ultima Online for the first time and just having someone like trick you to go out, you know, into like the field and then kill you and steal all your things. <laughs> oh no! Like, that just happened repeatedly, and I was like, "Well, this this seems like a game where I can simulate being bullied, not in real mm -hmm. life, but online too." Well, you know what the yeah. polar opposite of that stringent <laughs> and dangerous environment is uh, the warm embrace of a little bit play <laughs> yes yes thank you for bringing this train back on on the rails It was this really cool, just kind of joyful thing that like really stuck out to me at the time. I was like so excited to to hop in and play it, yeah. and um, I was not expecting like to really find a space in there for like music things. But I was like super mm -hmm. pleasantly surprised when you know the game came out, and I was like messing around with the tool set. Um, I you know I saw I saw there were some people like kind of experimenting with like using the MIDI note, you know, things with sensor mm -hmm. blocks and stuff and like doing some stuff to like play notes. Yeah. And I was like, 
you know, I suddenly got into like mad genius mode where I was just like, okay, how do I make, how do I make like interactive music, <laughs> like interactive compositions within this space? Um, I was just out of college. So I was like fresh in like my sort of like weird creative mindset. And, and so I made like the first, one of the first levels that I made that was like purely like music based was this like, of course, it had to be, like, fully role-playing the music thing, right? Because, like, you know, you can't just go into, like, a blank world and, like, here's, like, a, a, a red dot to interact with. Like, no, I needed to make uh, yeah. it, like, an experience. So yes. you start off, and it's, like, this sort of, like, rainy alleyway. And you're, like, there's a car, and there's a bunch of, like, roadies there being, like, oh, you got to get on stage. <laughs> so you go in the back door of this music venue, and you, you merge onto, you know, through the, through the back, um, you know, the backstage area and you get on yeah. the stage and there's like a DJ set up at the turntable and then all the instruments are just like on stage. So there's an upright bass. Um, mm -hmm. There is like a piano and there's like a drum kit um, or, or something. I, I forget the exact instruments, but basically like you get on stage and suddenly this like beat starts playing. And so like the DJ is like playing the beat and then you can, um, grab the instruments to start playing notes. And so because everything is synced up to the tempo, like as you like grab the notes, it's like either you can hold it down to like play a sequence of notes or just like grab it randomly to like play notes within like the preset sequence. Whoa. So I basically <laughs> made this composition where depending on like, you know, and like it was multiplayer. So like you could have multiple people on different instruments and like grab them mm. at different times. And so right. you're basically jamming, you know, you're having this jam session. That's amazing. And so once you did that for long enough, like suddenly the crowd would be like, yeah. And I made this like sort of like undulating wave crowd on pistons where like after the you're done, you, like you'd figured out like, okay, I, I think I've played a piece. You would then crowd surf to the back of, of the venue and then leave to the, to the stage cow. exit. <laughs> that's, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, it was just fun stuff like that that you could do. It's, it's the, one of the things that I love about the Little Big Planet um, creative suite tool set is that um, it's basically teaching you how to code, how to work with right, programming. Right, and it did actually <laughs> in, a, in a certain roundabout <laughs> way. But the way that they do it is everything's physical. Right. Everything's basically you're making like a little craft. So instead of saying you know this equals that, and I'm going to use logic to link things together via text, you're actually pulling threads and sticking them on with pins to uh, like felt objects and, and seeing them interact. Yeah, um, totally. It's like a visual representation of that language. But I like you did not expect them to do so much with the audio, which is something right. that Little Big Planet has been like wildly creative with since the first installment. Yeah, and it's and I I really respect and love like the degree to which the franchise has always kind of really dug into this sort of like weird hybrid of licensed music and then also original stuff. Yes, um, yeah. Where they really get like they really kind of pull all of their resources together like being a Sony <laughs> franchise like they're able to reach out, you know, to a bunch of like really cool artists, you know, some lesser known, some greater known. Um, and like yeah. just really kind of make this, you know, mixtape almost of like levels that are strung together.
Doug and Kristen, did you guys get roped into the Little Big Planet world as one of those artists for the new game, or, or have either of you played the older ones before? You know, I am totally new to the Little Big Planet franchise. Ah. I think I played a little bit of the first one like a long time ago, <laughs> but you know, like I never really had PlayStation consoles. Uh, well, okay, I had PS One. Um, which my uh <laughs> my parents got me because it had DDR and they were amazed that I could get exercise while playing video games. So they just bought me everything. <laughs> that, yep, that's one of the ins. Yeah, <laughs> yep. for the, for the old parents. And then I went to the black hole of college for like nine years. <laughs> uh, then I came out at the other end and it was like, how many PlayStations are there now? It was like <laughs> three, four of them. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so I kind of missed out on a lot of that stuff. Um, but yeah, I I I. I, I honestly I I don't have much experience with Little Big Planet at all even even up until this game I'm I'm certainly curious to play Sackboy now because uh I I, I have a hand in it <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh but yeah no I don't know much about them how about you Kristen yeah it's the same with me um it's one okay, of those series that I've always seen a lot and heard a lot about and gone oh I should play that and then not done it okay so this <laughs> this is cool then so for you guys what was it like when this project popped onto your radar. Well, well, we didn't know, did we? No. <laughs> so, yeah, like, basically, you know, I I hired them as musicians um, under full NDA, so I couldn't even really say what the project was. Wow. Um, so, you know, as, as far as they were concerned, it was, you know, the music was what it was. And <laughs> yeah, as, as performers, we often get file delivery with, you know, code speak. Well, yeah, yeah. You're right. Random acronyms. It's like, I don't know what this means, but it sounds nice, so. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, very, very very nice, um, you know, descriptions of what hypothetically could be going on, but, like, no no real indicators of, like, who the characters are or what the environment actually <laughs> is, you know? Right. Although I, I will say, I will say I was suspicious that it was a little big planet because uh, there was an acronym and a file name. And I saw an L, and I saw a B, and I oh, saw no. a P. L-V-L. And I was like, I, I, I was like, I, I don't. I'm gonna keep my mouth shut, but I wonder, I wonder, <laughs> you know. It, it, now we're dealing with a, a new protagonist, felt felt guy. Felt, um, yeah, <laughs> completely brand new idea. So I've heard a lot of like voice actors tell their stories about like you know I screamed into a mic- into a microphone with passion for an hour and didn't know what game it was for. Is <laughs> this kind of stuff happen very much? Uh, in the video game music world it's about half and half for me it okay. so depends on what some composers are allowed to say or what they want to for me like i will i will say like literally everything if i legally can like <laughs> i'm very much you know of a like i want you to like know exactly like the emotions you know and like the, the situation that's going into this this mm-hmm. song but you know and i i mostly work in like indie games and stuff so like i i have that liberty i can actually you know yeah. say that but when you have you know a client like sony um which is you know big deal and like the game you know wasn't going to be announced for you know a while and then you know it was also like a launch game for a big new console like you know the nda kind of like it gets more and more overwhelming like the more of those layers that kind of you know build up on it so you know for me like i literally couldn't even say that i i'd worked on it until the game launched so i remember seeing on twitter we were like finally okay (laughs) i can unload this from my soul (laughs) yeah you know you can only like you know subtweet about new projects 
things that you're working right. on for so long, like eventually, <laughs> eventually they come out. Um, so, yeah. so for me, it was like a relief to like finally, um, to, you know, finally let loose and be like, ah, this is what I've been working on. Like literally since the start of the year. Uh, <laughs> wow. Well then how did, how did it start for you? Who like, who got in touch with you about this? Um, so Sony did, um, specifically like one of their audio folks that was sort of wrangling all of the audio together on the back end. Um, and funny enough, like, uh, I got an email through Bandcamp, um, from, (laughs) from, and this is literally how I got the Minecraft job as well Is like, they found my Bandcamp contact page and sent me an email, not my personal website, like not my email or anything like they go through Bandcamp and it's just like, Oh yeah, wonderful. Like, I'm so glad that exists because you know, that's, I, I really feel like, you know, my, my, my Bandcamp pages are sort of like the portal through which people can like find my music and then also talk to me. Um, As someone who does a lot of cold emailing of yeah. uh, composers, it's good to know sometimes they read their Bandcamp emails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always do, especially when they have offers from, you know, giant companies like Microsoft <laughs> yeah. and Sony. Yeah. Um, and then also really sweet emails from people that are like, you know, you saved my life. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so sick. Oh. <laughs> uh, I empathize. Um, but yeah, like, uh, so I got an email from um, from my contact at Sony. Uh, it was an unknown project. Like they weren't going to even tell me what it was until I signed the NDA. Um, but I knew it was for Sony Europe. And so I was just like, okay, this sounds intriguing. So let's sign an NDA. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they were, you know, able to get me on like the full like actual email chain of like okay so it's for you know a new uh you know little big planet they would like to say Sackboy, um but you know it's you know right, it's for a new right. n- new little big planet game Sackboy, um, a big adventure tm Sackboy, thank you very much a Lee. big adventure <laughs> yes um and it's you know i i i i can't like you know i'll put a disclaimer like everything that i say reflects just me and not that of you know yes, sony yes. etc um but yeah like it's 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 very clearly like you know sackboy is a new thing like it's a new step for the franchise mm-hmm. uh, media molecule is focusing on dreams which is like that's their next big creative suite right you know yes. that's that's what they're taking their tool set from little big planet and applying it to a new sort of ip slash uh engine almost um uh sumo digital made little big planet three and so you know they kind of got handed the reins for the franchise and for for sackboy and everything and so yeah like i feel like you know now the dreams is kind of out there and like exists as sort of like the next step of of those creative suite like they still wanted to do something um with sackboy the character because he's so cute and you know lovely and i love that whole world that they created for little big planet yeah and they they do use the whole creative suite from little big planet um, as mm. inspiration for basically how everything in the game moves and acts and looks. You've got the cardboard cutouts of people and all the fun stuff. Yeah, and like having having played almost the whole game now, I'm 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 kind of stuck on some of the later levels. It's it gets uh-huh. kind of hard actually. Um, <laughs> um, but they really take like it's kind of like a love letter to all of the different like sort of weird mechanics and stuff that have been introduced um through the different uh little big planet games and so you've got you know mm-hmm. some levels require like certain power-ups and you've got like a little boomerang that you toss out you've got a grappling hook sort of thing and those are all kind of like callbacks to different 
either like powers or like um, abilities that you know you've you've had in previous games. So it's it's pretty cool to see them like ticking on the lineage of that franchise, but making it purely this kind of you know top down three quarters view platformer instead of you know the side scroller that it used to be. And, and and little did they know how overly qualified you were <laughs> to work on this series. <laughs> yeah, and they they were actually kind of surprised that like you know after they had reached out to me and I was like kind of nerding out about like oh no I made all these levels and they were like oh wow cool like they had no <laughs> idea like basically they reached out to me because um and this is this is a very interesting thing like so many of my projects that I've gotten opportunities for have been as a result of my solo work um mm-hmm. rather than my actual like you know soundtrack work um you know the fact that i've done soundtrack work obviously plays into the fact that they would trust me to write a soundtrack but yeah um but uh i released um my solo album one knowing um last year and as a direct result of that like both the the minecraft gig and the the Sackboy gig sort of manifested um through that because they were like really big fans of a sound that i had um sort of cultivated through that album and so they specifically reached out to me um for the world map music um for sackboy which is basically what i wrote was this sort of suite of music that became all the different world map um themes So at what point did you realize you needed to bring in Doug and Kristen? So one of the big challenges was they really wanted to theme all of the different worlds um, very Mm -hmm. sort of closely to the inspirations for um, not just like the world design, um, but also the um, sort of different musical styles that they were bringing in for like the licensed music and like the original music and stuff. And so they kind of gave me like a world map of influences, <laughs> essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, full spoilers to people that haven't seen all the worlds, but there's basically five worlds. Um, the uh, first four are sort of like very unique themes. There's sort of a uh, Himalayan mountains themed uh, level or world. is a sort of uh, South American Amazon vibe um, to the second world. A sort of lost underwater civilization vibe to the third world.
and then space for the fourth world. And then the fifth world is kind of like this weird, like, mishmash remix of everything, which is a really cool thing that, you know, kind of plays into the story. So it was a challenge to be like, okay, I want these to feel authentic in a way that I can't really do on my own with with samples, um, mm-hmm. you know, for everything. And especially, you know, as far as Doug's concerned, like I really wanted to like have this sort of percussive layer that threads through everything. Mm. Um, and you know, I can I can I can do some you know rudimentary percussion stuff you know on my own, but you know, I would much rather hire a professional who's you know put their entire career into you know doing this you know just amazing percussion work and especially the variety of of percuss- percussion instruments that uh, Doug plays. Um, yes, there's like there's a finesse and natural quality to the end result that I don't think you could have gotten any other way. Totally, totally, and. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll let Doug talk about, you know, the process of, of, of writing or, you know, playing for some of those. But, like, for me, it was kind of like, you know, kind of curating, um, you know, what percussion would make sense for, for these different reinstrumentations. Um, because basically it was, it was a five and a half minute piece of music that I wrote and then five different arrangements of that same piece of music to fit mm-hmm. each world so it's kind of like okay i know what the actual parts are for this piece but now i have to rearrange everything and find new instruments that make sense and not just like you know slap a coat of paint on them but to like make it you know actually feel like you know these instruments are playing you know real parts you know, yeah. to, as an ensemble rather than just like well you know i changed this midi from this to this and now it's going to play it you know Right. Yeah. It's a more of a transformation. Um, yeah, totally. Th- so Doug, what was your experience like playing this stuff? Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. And I, I'm, I'm always afraid to talk about this cause I'm worried <laughs> that like, if I speak honestly about what it's like as a, uh, as a studio musician, um, doing stuff like this, I'm, I'm basically going to give like, uh, I guess the TLDR of what I'm going to say is I don't really know what I'm doing at any given moment. I just kind of <laughs> figure it out as I go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think when you're a percussionist or any musician really, but especially in percussion, you kind of got to look at it like um like a D&D game or something like that. You like roll your stats in the beginning and like going into <laughs> like learning the stuff that like those are the things you're going to be good at. Mm-hmm. And then there are the things that you're not going to be good at. And then you spend a lot of time sort of just trying to figure out how to like get your levels up and you're like allocating points to like different skill sets. And then after a while you realize, oh, wait, this is it. This is this is what I'm stuck with. And now I'm just trying to manage with like what I've got. And so honestly, like. <laughs> Um, you know, when I do uh, a recording gig like this, you know, sometimes I'll get asked to play instruments that I have a lot of experience and confidence with, and sometimes I get asked to play in- instruments that I don't. <laughs> um, and uh, this was certainly a mix of that. Um, and uh, you know, as a percussionist, though, I-, I I do feel like it's it's less about like playing an instrument and more about just being responsible for making sounds out of hitting things. You know, like yeah. I'm supposed to be good mm-hmm. at specifically that. So I hope that's <laughs> on your LinkedIn page. 
<laughs> yeah. I'm very good at hitting things. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very good at hitting At the things, right time. At the right time. <laughs> Hopefully. Exactly. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so like, I think an example for, for this in particular was um, playing Pandero uh, is not an instrument that I have a ton of experience with. It's an instrument that I have, and I have a lot of friends who, um, like when, when, uh, uh, when we all got out of like uh, school and stuff like that and started our careers, I had a bunch of friends who uh, really got into Brazilian percussion and started playing a lot of Pandero. And so like, I kind of learned a little bit from them. Um, so and, uh, as someone my who, own. I'm sorry to, to interrupt you, Doug, but I don't even <laughs> oh, know yeah. what that is at all. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> it, it's, it looks, okay. It's a, it's a Brazilian instrument. Looks kind of like a tambourine uh-huh. um, with, uh, I guess you would say fewer jingles and bigger jingles around it that are, have a, just more of a, a dense, uh, thicker sound. Ah, okay. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, it's a skin head and uh, the head itself is actually quite deep. So this instrument is really cool. It's played, you hold it with the left hand and you spend a lot of time actually rotating your left hand back and forth. Normally when you, uh, like a, if an orchestral percussionist such as myself were to play tambourine, mm-hmm. you hold it with one hand and then you strike it with the other, right? So normally I'd be holding it with my left hand and hitting it with my right hand and my right hand is doing most of the work except for maybe the occasional like time I want to shake it. Mm-hmm. Um when you're playing pandero, like you're basically moving that left hand all the time. It's moving back and forth. It's and it turns into like a um it's like the hi-hat on a drum set. Mm-hmm. This oh, instrument okay. is basically a handheld drum set, which is really neat cool. because it's you get those so jingles fun. doing, yeah, 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 you get the jingles doing the, uh, the high sounds of like what would be like a hi-hat in a drum set. And then if you strike the center of the, uh, of the head, it's actually a pretty low tone. And then you can use different uh, ways of striking it to get more, um, to basically different timbres, different articulations. And you put them all together and it's kind of like just like an entire drum set in, in your hand. And of course, there's an entire like tradition that goes along with playing this instrument that I wish I knew. <laughs> but um, but, you know, so like com- coming um, into into this project, that was an instrument where I like before I even got into recording, I was just looking up YouTube video after YouTube video after yeah. YouTube video, watching people play it and tr- trying to be like, OK, for this sort of thing, this is the kind of thing that I want to do. I could imagine like the kind of sound that I would want to hear. Uh, I was just watching all these videos of people like, you know, recording it and showing the techniques and all of that. So um, so that was certainly uh, like an example of, you know, I, I, I know what I want to be able to do with this instrument. But right now I'm totally out of my wheelhouse. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, I want to I, I got to find a way to to put this together. And I think that's to in contrast to like um, like I, I, I think I've, I've recorded some drum set for you, too. Right. Lena? Yeah. The, for the uh, for the, the underwater uh, world. So meanwhile, drum set is way more in my wheelhouse, even though it's not something that I do a lot in my mm-hmm. career now. That was like what I started as a percussionist yeah. um, playing was playing a lot of drum set and playing along to like, you know, rock tunes and playing in jazz groups and stuff like that. So it's kind of like where I, I spent probably a lot more time trying to figure out what to do with the Pandero than going over to drum set was, uh, you know, way more within my uh, allocated uh, uh-huh. stats or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I'm glad, I'm glad you didn't give up and re-roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't think I would be here if I did that. I'm glad you got to experiment, too. Because, like, you know, when you have a big project like this, um, I, it's probably nice to have the comfort zone. But then mix in there with a little bit of new stuff and learn as you go. And that's oh, that's a fun kind of project to have. Yeah. I find at this point in my life and in my career, um, 
I uh, unfortunately am beyond the uh, the state of oh yeah I would love to study this because I want to right. yeah. and um, yeah there's there was a, a point in my life where I had more of that and now it's just desperately grasping for straws trying to wade my way through whatever this career is <laughs> um, and during all of that desperate grasping if I get to grasp onto something that I I don't know much about then I, it's kind of killing two birds with one stone yes. because in one hand I am continuing to manage. <laughs> but I'm also learning a new skill, which is uh, which is always neat. Wonderful. Um, and now, Kristen, I want to bring you into the conversation here because um, <laughs> I've only met you once. I think we might have mentioned that be- before we started recording. But whenever I do see you online, every time I see you, you're holding a different crazy instrument <laughs> yeah. that I've never heard of and slightly scares me. So I'd like to hear about what you brought to the table. Uh, yeah, I'm what Doug said, except with woodwinds. <laughs> Pri- I'm primarily an oboe player. That's what I went to school for. That's what I play in orchestras, oboe and English horn. Um, but then I record with dozens of different woodwinds, flutes, reeds, you name it. Yeah. Um, so it's like what Doug was saying about having instruments that we're stronger on and, and weaker on, and then some that we just sort of make up as we go. Uh, huh. that's, that's often what happens. There have been projects where... They say, do you have such and such instrument? And I say, no. And then I run out and buy one. And then I have it. <laughs> yep. And then I play it on the thing. In which um, case, I think this was uh, a, a, a benefit of having done that before, right? Yes, exactly. Um, because <laughs> some of my recording gigs are the type where the composer will say, okay, I need a flute, a bassoon, and a bagpipe. And others, <laughs> the composer will say, hey, here's a melody. What do you think will sound good with it? And this was a, a former case because Lena was uh, certain that she wanted cana and panpipes for this, mm-hmm. um, which I had. And the panpipes I only had because of a previous project that requested them that I never ended up using them on. Oh, <laughs> so wow. I just had this <laughs> instrument sitting around and it, it worked out really well. Yeah. And like a little backstory too, um, like when this gig came about, um, I had I've been working with Kristen for like the past year, two years or something on uh, a game that's coming out um, next year called Chicory, uh, Colorful Tale. And she's been doing just so much woodwind playing for that. Like it's kind of like the game is very sort of centered around the woodwind sound as far as the soundtrack goes um, for a lot of the character based Mm -hmm. uh, stuff. And, and so we'd, we'd already been working together and, you know, I knew, you know, sort of, um, how good she is at, you know, basically every woodwind. Um, (laughs) and, um, and so when the opportunity came along for, for the Sackboy gig, um, you know, I was looking at the potential, um, for the second world, um, which is where, uh, Kristen plays on, um, and Mm -hmm. it was, you know, the sort of South American, uh, you know, uh, rainforesty Brazilian kind of, you know, vibe to it. Um, and, um, and so, like, I really wanted to to have some really lovely woodwinds in there that really kind of, you know, were pulled specifically from that region that, you know, mm-hmm. the, the rest of the, the levels were sort of inspired from. Um, and so, you know, uh, you know, the panpipes were kind of a given because I just love the sound of panpipes. And um, it's a weird thing to say, like, this sound, this woodwind sounds more woody than <laughs> than other ones, <laughs> you know. Um, but, like, you know, really kind of, you, you get the feeling of, of uh-huh. wood. <laughs> 
<laughs> from of you know trees and, and that kind of vibe from from panpipes uh, pretty well. Um, but the koino is actually a um, a new instrument to me. Like I had not. Um, you know, read too much or heard too much from the Kona, but then I looked up, you know, a bunch of uh, videos. Uh, and for, like, for all of the the worlds that I was writing for, like, I, I looked at these regions and I looked at, like, street musicians. I looked at, you know, people that are, you know, playing music today. Like, it's not just kind of like right. this sort of archetypical, like, you know, what does the sound of the ancient jungle sound like? You know, this, you know, I really wanted to bring it into, like, you know, what is, you know, what is the actual, like, tradition of, you know, playing music um, in yeah. these sort of places that the inspirations come from. And, um, and so it was really cool to see the Quena, um, as, you know, I, I'm familiar, like a lot of people are familiar with like the shakuhachi, uh, which is, you mm -hmm. know, a Japanese instrument that's sort of uh, in the same family as the Quena, but, you know, the Quena mm -hmm. specifically comes from South America and has just this wonderful, wonderful, uh, sound to it. And so I was really excited that, that Kristen had, uh, one was able to play it for the, for the soundtrack. Does it take sort of a, um training period to like get the hang of a new instrument or are you so proficient at the general <laughs> the field at this point that you know I'm curious about this too <laughs> I, I guess it you know depends on who you ask and maybe how i play it right now is not going to be how i play it in three or five years <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah you can always take your current skills and apply it to a new instrument um, because say the the cana it's a vertical bamboo flute it has six holes it has a notched end that you blow across to produce the sound mm -hmm. um, so of course i'm going to start by playing it as i do other similar flutes um, mm -hmm. but there's also a period where i just i listen to a whole bunch of music i I, I'm convinced the only reason I can sort of half play some of these instruments is because I spend so much time listening to people who really know what they're doing and have devoted mm. their lives to their particular instruments. And I try and emulate um, the sound and the technique and everything. Um, so yeah, with, with the harder instruments, there are always longer periods of time that I have to spend sounding like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and others are yeah. easier to pick up. God, that's a mood. <laughs> <laughs> How detailed were the instructions? Uh Doug and Christian that you guys got when uh when you started on the project did you know exactly what you were going to be playing in what order or were you improvising a little bit uh it's a little bit of both uh -huh. um for sure and this is actually as a percussionist um this is a pretty common uh experience that I have when playing you know hand drums mm -hmm. and uh non-pitched percussion um is I'll, I'll often get like either a like a, a mock-up using samples or like a, a list of instruments and some you know ideas of of what the composer is looking for um and so that kind of provides the framework and then it's up to me to sort of fill in the gaps and that's kind of what mm -hmm. happened here you know lena knew what sounds that she wanted so you know i had the instruments and yeah i think there were a few i, th I think there might have been a, a few uh aspects of this where i offered instrument suggestions but mm -hmm. um for the most part though i just i i listened to what she had already come up with and then tried to play i guess my version of that which is yeah so it, it's it's informed improvisation in that sense mm -hmm. yeah it's it's always tricky with like percussion like because like i can i can put down like you know, me trying to play something that sounds good, but I can also mm. just kind of put down like, you know, here's, here's like a skeleton, like here's a framework of like, right. you know, gr you know, vamping for this 
section, you know, from these, you know, from this part to this part, and then like a hit here, or maybe just some light, you know, brushwork here, or something, like, you know, hypothetically, right. just like you know, kind of laying out a map of like here's kind of the form of the piece. Um, I feel like that works really well with you know, especially you know, percussionists that like Doug that are like really good at just like you know, they they play to. Um, uh, to to the piece you know it's it's not just like go wild you know <laughs> you know it's you know it's any percussionist you know will listen to like the actual music that's happening and and you know be that sort of that support that really kind of holds it together yeah. even if it's already been written you know my my job was a lot more straightforward she sent me the notes and the notes fit <laughs> on the instruments properly so i played them <laughs> fancy okay. that i'm glad <laughs> mm-hmm. You blew into several I mean, holes, and that was the day's work. <laughs> yeah, uh, sometimes because composers have to learn so much so quickly about instruments that they mm. don't know much about. Um, yeah. I mean, there could be instances where the notes, uh, there's a problem with how they would be played or a range issue or going over a break or any sort of thing. So uh, on occasion, we'll you know check back and forth with how the writing is but in this case it was fine so yeah well the, yeah like on my end like the one thing that I, I always try to do like whenever I'm writing for an instrument that I know is going to be recorded is like I even though I know it's going to be recorded I want to have like the best representation of temp instrument that I can mm-hmm. so that I I know kind of generally how it's going to sound and like I know the range I know kind of and if a sample library is well put together like you'll be able to tell if it is sound it's going to sound pretty yes. iffy, you know, in a certain range or whatever. And, you know, actually, you know, studying the instrument and kind of knowing how it's, you know, played um, helps a lot too. But yeah, it's, 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 it's a tricky thing, especially for instruments that you're not super familiar with. But it seems like it was a really smart way to work on these tracks because, um, because they're so ambient and rhythmic mm-hmm. uh, and have just ha- have at least the, the um, part that I listened to, I haven't heard all of it, but mm-hmm. Um, there's so much space that the human element that you hear, like, you know, the breath of the woodwinds, um, it's so clear and present. And I just cannot imagine it with samples. Like it would, it would not be the same. That's yeah. I mean, that's literally why I wanted to, to reach out to, um, to Doug and Kristen to, to, you know, to, you know, record the parts that they did because Mm. like, that's the thing is like the direction that I got was like this really kind of elegant way of putting it, which was um, notes on the wind was sort of like the, the, Mm -hmm. the concept that I was presented with where like, you know, the, they actually, there were like, as I was writing the music, they were constantly asking me to like strip it down to like, really like, you know, make it as, as minimal and as bare as possible. Very elemental. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting, like, the different passes that I put on it before I even got anything recorded. Um, they had a lot of back and forth, not necessarily like, you know, throw it out and write something new, but it was like, um, I, I wrote a version first that had, um, it had a lot more like, <laughs> I had sort of like this, uh, 808 percussion going during like one of the sections and i thought that mm-hmm. was pretty cool because like it's sort of it was kind of a callback to like some of the original uh little little big planet pod music like they had a very like you know kind of mix of of real instruments right. and like yeah. old school like you know eight you know 80s vibing kind of like uh synth stuff going on um including that 808 percussion 
um, in the end, uh, I was able to still use the 808s in the space uh, layer. That was the oh, main okay, percussion cool. for there. But um, <laughs> but for for everyone else, they were kind of like, eh, let's tone let's tone back the the 808s a little bit. It's <laughs> um, interesting because your job was basically to be the <clears throat> cohesive glue for kind of the whole game like the entire game yeah totally and that's yeah. that's why it was such like a a, a tricky you know sort of tightrope to walk which is yeah. you know i didn't and i didn't even know what all the other like the stages sounded like you know they you know they like i didn't i couldn't play the game like you know it was very kind yeah. of almost restrictive of like how much i kind of knew about the game but I had a video that was basically like a, a alpha version of Sackboy literally just running around the, the world map. Um, and so it just had the environment noises and all that stuff in it. And so I was just like, I looped that in the background while I was working on, on the music just so I could make sure that I was matching the environment and just kind of, you know. Oh, yeah. Smart. That all the sounds that I was using was vibing with like the atmospheric sounds that were in the environments, too. I mean, that's the thing about this whole series is it is somehow incredibly eclectic and they get like two dozen musicians to work on a given game, but it all just kind of hangs together as this big, explosive, creative art piece. (laughs) It's kind of incredible. It's it's definitely credit to um, to the team at Sony that like was managing all of this. Like, (laughs) you know, I I can't even imagine like um, uh trying to tie together like so many different composers and artists yeah. and, and arrangers and all this stuff. Um, they, they managed, you know, pretty spectacularly to kind of make a package that felt really cohesive, despite there being so many disparate parts that, you know, were all being handled individually. Cause there was, you know, there was some, some folks that worked on the game that, you know, once the game was out, they were like, Hey, I worked on that. And I was like, what? We know each other, and we didn't even know that you're you know, a secret collaborator. <laughs> yeah, cool. it, was, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, I um, I was trying to um look up some of the uh, origins for all these tracks from the soundtrack, and I found just the the credits of the game on YouTube. So I was scrolling down, and I'm like, wait a second, the hip hop artist that I know, and and Lena, and and wait a second, is that Winifred Phillips? Oh yeah, <laughs> doing a cover of Material Girl. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what is this soundtrack? <laughs> yeah, there is there is some wild stuff in the soundtrack. Like they have like arrangements of pop songs in there that are like you don't even hear the vocals, but then they have the stages that are completely synced up to like a fully licensed pop song that's been made right. dynamic. I think they did Uptown they Funk have, at one point. Uptown Funk is one of them. Let's Dance, David Bowie, like. It's, cool. There's some <laughs> that's, cool that's stuff very in little that game. Big planet, oh, yeah. I have to say, it's it's honestly kind of like a step up in terms of just like the range of of artists that they're getting for this. Like, it's interesting because like they've they've really pulled in the past, you know, from a lot of like you know sort of more underground artists, like you know maybe not super widely known ones. Um, so like to suddenly have like uh, you know, David Bowie and like uh. Uh, toxic is in the game too which is amazing (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 kind of fascinating like i i i love you know the the smaller like indie uh uh bands that they get you know for some of the other games but like there's something just really weird and wild about you know playing these levels to like really big like licensed tracks that is pretty fun The it's little artists fun. and the big artists. Yeah, the little, little big, big artists. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
thank you all three of you for coming and chatting about this. I had a very nice time. Well, thank you. Of course. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>